What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrandHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I'm your host, coming to you late night on August 24th, 2017, with another edition of our 2017 Opponent Preview Series podcast. If you guys want to listen to this episode or any of the other preview series podcast make sure to go to soundcloud.com slash land grand holy land or go on to apple Podcasts and search the hangout in the holy land on today's episode we're gonna stick in the big 10 as we get to the end of the season and talk about the illinois fighting illini in the late season game between them and ohio state and to do that i am joined by the managing editor of illinois sb nation blog the champagne room and his name is Stephen Cohn. Stephen, how you doing, man? Pretty good. Just a another day here in Champaign-Urbana, and always a good time. Uh, just talking about the Illini, you know, eight wins over the past two seasons. So not can only get up, can only get better. Can only get better. Illinois goes three and nine last year, and Lovey Smith's first season as head coach. How would you assess his first year in the job that he did? And, and what do you think about the direction of the program? Is it going up? Is it down? Is it stagnant? Well, I think you look at a lot of what he had to work with last year, and it was basically Tim Beckman's recruiting class. And I'm sure, I don't know how other teams in the Big Ten or fan bases view the Tim Beckman era at Illinois, but for a lot of people, it's a pretty embarrassing time, uh, just how it ended and what went on during the entire five years he was in at Illinois. And so that wasn't Lovey's team at all. He was hired in March. Bill Cubitt, the interim head coach, who became the head coach for three months, was fired on March 5th back in 2016. And less than a week later, Lovey Smith is hired. So Lovey had a short preseason and not much of a team that he knew how to work with. He didn't know all their names last um, in the pre over summer 2016. And so now it's a very different season, and people knew those expectations were in place. And now this this year, it's to see if there can be any improvement overall because it's still not his team. A lot of freshmen, one of the youngest teams in the country, so it depends how much um, Lovey can actually try to just show improvements and show fans that this team is getting better over the years. What do you think the biggest difference is between Lovey Smith and Tim Beckman? Has he been able to bring some stability to that program? I think it's more a matter of respect. Everyone always goes back to Tim Beckman's first uh, introductory press conference with Illinois and he talks about how his wife's going to make lasagna for the team. He's like, I'm going to make, she's going to make lasagna. They're all going to come to my house for some lasagna. It's very embarrassing. People make fun of it all the time. And with Lovey, you get this just air of respect with him. Just the fact that this guy was a Super Bowl coach, uh, made a Super Bowl with the Chicago Bears. And he just seems like a guy that brought in a coaching staff that wants to win. And with that director of athletics, Josh Woodman, it's just a program now that seems to be an upswing. It's not anymore that, oh, we're playing Illinois this week. We're probably going to win. Um, and the, it should be, look, this is an NFL coaching staff at a college coaching at a college program. And this might be a good game. Looking at Bill Connolly's preview for Illinois and in preparation for this, it was pretty staggering how inefficient Illinois' offense was last year. They had the second highest percentage of three and outs in the country, only behind Rutgers. So at least there's that going for you. Rutgers was worse in that. But how much of the talk about the offense this offseason and leading into this season has been trying to fix some of those issues on offense? Because it's not like they don't have pieces. They they had some explosive plays last year. Yeah, it's. I think the toughest thing last season was – the fact that they had three different quarterbacks start at least like two games. 
And that comes in Wes Lunds and Chase Crouch and Jeff George Jr. And when the offense just has no stability at its helm in the quarterback position, while well, the offense played fairly well all season, but um, they didn't have them a major injuries to the line. Oh, when the quarterback play is different, the offense is just going to look different game to game. They never really got in a groove. I feel like missing Mike Dudek for the second straight season, the wide receiver, I'm sure you're going to ask me about him in a few minutes as well. Um, but just having those weapons now with a year under their belts, and they know that Chase Crouch for all offseason has been the starter ever since in March during spring practices. Lovey Smith said that Chase Crouch is our quarterback. And now that they know that it's been six months, I feel like Malik Turner, Mike Duda, Kendrick Foster, et cetera, they've all gotten comfortable Chase Crouch at this point that there has to be more explosive plays and just more consistency in offense, even though the offensive line is pretty young. With that quarterback situation settled, what do you think the identity of the offense is going to be this year? Because they have some nice pieces, and you look at running back with Kendrick Foster and, and Reggie Corbin, they were able to generate a lot of explosive plays and then, like you mentioned, Mike Dudek comes back after two straight seasons of being injured and Malik Turner as well. Yeah, I think it's still going to be a lot of running um, on the offense this year. Chase Crouch, you'll get his stats from last year, 18 of 32 passing, 249 yards, one touchdown pass over four games. Uh, but he had 176 yards and 29 carries. He had the most rushing yards in a single game since uh, Riley O'Toole back in 2014. Um, so uh, I think it's going to be obviously a running offense. Kendrick Foster is more of a power back. Uh, Corbin, more of a third down guy as well. So a lot of power backs, not much speed in the backfield to chase Crouch also. Um, it's always going to be his first uh, option or instincts per se uh, to run the ball. But he also does have those weapons on the outside and Turner and Duduk. So I feel like if he gets able to um, improve on his passing, which we didn't really see much of last year, that could be a threat in the offensive game. But right now I think the first option every play is going to be running. How has Mike Dudek looked? after being out for so long and what are the expectations of him this season well i don't know if you've uh seen any pictures of him from training camp but the man is a he is a greek god <laughs> oh my god he's beautiful he's just okay I, what i'm saying basically is i don't think he skipped uh like going to the weight room he didn't miss any workouts the past two years yeah this guy is a freak of nature and i expect that um well i'm just pulling up the stats right now from three years ago um it was a while at this point. He was a first-team freshman All-American three years ago, and he had single-season freshman records for receiving yards at over 1,076 receptions, six touchdowns. I think, basically, the expectations are about that for him again because now three years later, you do it. He was supposed to be a senior this year, so you got to expect some uh, improvement. Maybe he doesn't get to that 1,000-yard mark, but I, people have high expectations because they know this was a guy that could have been one of the best wide receivers in Illinois history, and now he still has that chance, um, although probably two, three years late. What's your hope for this offense this season, and what's like a what's a realistic best case scenario for them? Uh, what are you going in terms of? This is a team that scored seventeen points per game last year. <laughs> Anything, I guess. <laughs> what What do you think would be like in your ideal? world what would be an ideal improvement for them i guess points per game wise yeah i don't know get up to like 20 like not even that much oh this this team like sometimes on offense is nothing going for them and uh they were shut out by iowa in the home finale last year shut out by penn state two years ago wisconsin they only scored three points they had a garbage touchdown against michigan last year the big house this is a team just with overall nuts like they didn't have much success in offense last year. Some of the stats, some of the numbers look good, but overall, not a very talented team in offense a season ago. 
And so they have to get somewhat better just if there is more consistency. Um, and I'd say 20 points looks good, but the expectations in Champagne are not sky high when safe for the Illini. Defensively, they were able to do some nice stuff last year. They were able to pressure the quarterback. They had a good defensive line. And a lot of the pieces on that defensive line leave, and we'll get to that in a second. But what do you think is going to be the strength or what's going to stand out about this defense in 2017? Uh, I think I look at Two guys, Trey Watson, Jalen Dunlap. Uh, these are two guys with NFL potential, um, as the defense has had someone drafted the past few years at this point with Je- uh, Ward and um, last year Smoots, Carol Phillips signed, Hardy Nickerson signed with the Je- uh, Bengals. Um, so this year you'll look at Jalen Dunlap and Trey Watson. Uh, Dunlap, uh, he's quick, he's great uh, defensive back. And then Trey Watson, though, he's a guy I'm really looking to uh, really show something this year for Illini fans. He almost led the Big Ten in tackles a year ago based on his tackles per game. Um, and now as a starting linebacker centering that core, I think he's a chance to really um, just be a, something for fans to be very excited about on defense with 10, 15 tackles a game. Hardy Nickerson is a guy that I watched a ton when he played for Lovey Smith in Tampa Bay, and he was able to come in as defensive coordinator and do some pretty good things. What stood out about the way that he's kind of, I don't know, maybe turn the defense around, for lack of a better term? And what stands out about him as defensive coordinator? I don't know. I feel like just overall, um, a lot of the stuff in, in the trenches and at the line, and that, especially that front seven, that's where Harry Nickerson is spe- excels. That's where his son excelled, Harry Nickerson Jr., last season with over 100 tackles. Um, just getting to the quarterback and getting into the backfield. This is a team two years ago that had a lot of sacks, was able to um, force a lot of passes, or quick passes by a quarterback. But last year, it seemed they were getting to the quarterback a lot, especially Mitch Trubisky, his second overall pick by the Bears. Uh, when they played UNC last year, they had several sacks. And so this is a team that um, is, is able to get through trenches. They still had a lot of big plays, though, um, and that's going to come in the form of defensive backs. But Lovey's been doing his recruiting class for 2018. He's been focusing a lot on that front seven still, getting a lot of good linebackers, a lot of good defensive tackles. And so you got to start to wonder, when's that defensive back thing going to pick up? Because the focus right now, uh, with Nickerson and Lovey Smith is obviously on that front seven. I was going to ask you about that reputation of Lovey Smith as a head coach and how that works out in recruiting. And he's been able to field some great defenses in the NFL. Everybody remembers that Bears team that went to the Super Bowl, and he has that reputation. How has that played out so far in recruiting, and has Illinois seen a bump from that yet? Well, I don't know if you've uh, looked at Illinois' recruiting classes, but for 2018, there's more guys from Texas and Florida individually than there are coming from Illinois. I think there's 13 guys in the class so far after the other day another commit came from Texas, and five of those were from Texas, four from Florida, and four so he's obviously using, he's from Big Sandy, Texas, which I don't know where that is, but it's a place in Texas. And uh, using his background from there, he's using his background from Florida when he was with the Buccaneers. Uh, and now he's using his background as well from Illinois, being head coach of Illinois and with the Bears. Uh, so right now, um, what was the question? I got sidetracked. Yeah, no, he's he's doing, um he's trying to make Illinois a national brand, which is, to a Ohio State fan would probably be kind of funny, like, aha, Illinois a national brand is you think of Urban Meyer and you think, oh, he can get anyone he wants or someone like Harbaugh or Nick Saban. And Lovey Smith, um, I think he feels he can do the same thing because he goes, he has said it several times at press conferences, he goes in to a recruit's house and there's a head coach that's coaching the Super Bowl. So maybe it's not the BCS National Championship like Urban Meyer or Nick Saban, but he can be like, 
you want to be in the NFL, I can get you there. And that's his pitch a lot of the time, especially with the rest of his coaching staff. For the second straight year, they have the most NFL experience of any coaching staff in the country. Illinois is replacing almost everybody on that defensive line. What's the outlook for them this season? Because whenever I watch them, every few years, it seems like they have one guy or a couple guys. You look last year at Dwayne Smoot and Jihad Ward, where you're just like, where where the hell did, did these guys come from? Yeah, let me uh, pull this up. I did a little preview the other day by one of our guys, Brandon Burkhead, did a roster review of the D-line. So just going over this, they got a few returning players, guys like James Crawford. He's someone that started his career as safety, and now he's going to be a D-lineman. And that's just because he's a senior. He's going to be the oldest guy in the line. He's never played a game on the line. So I bet that tells you something about it, that very inexperienced, a lot of young guys. And they're just trying to experiment right now and see what can happen. There's no one in the line, on the line right now. Uh, maybe Jamal Milan. Uh, he had ten. He played ten games, forced two fumbles against Rutgers. Um, but overall, no one on the roster right now that's going to be like a Dewan Smoot or a Carol Phillips or a Chunky Phil or a Chunky Clemens uh, that will be in the NFL in a year or two. Uh, just because they're kind of undersized and they're going to have a tough time against a team like Wisconsin that likes the power run just because they can't they can't stop anyone at the line this season. So you think that's going to be the biggest weakness of this defense? Oh, it's the biggest weakness of the football team, I think. All right, get, getting into some of the more big picture stuff, what do you think Illinois fits in in the Big Ten West right now and, and where do you expect them to be in maybe two or three years once Levy Smith is able to cycle in his own players and kind of get the program to where he wants it to be? You look at the Big Ten West, I feel like there's like a few tiers of it. you got teams like Nebraska and Wisconsin that you probably expect to compete every year at this point. Then you get like Minnesota, Iowa, Northwestern teams that are good enough to make a bowl game, and maybe if they get lucky one season, we'll finally make it to the Big Ten Championship. And then you get Illinois and Purdue. And last year, Illinois lost to Purdue because they couldn't hit a field goal, or they fumbled the ball in overtime, both those. And um, like right now, I don't know, like Purdue has a better quarterback, obviously, in place than David Blau, and a new head coach, and uh, Jeff Brome as well. Um, so... You, I, I feel Purdue should feel more confident right now than Illinois. Illinois is probably in the last place in the Big Ten West when the season comes to a close. One, two, three wins at the most uh, this year, just because Big Ten West, like, there's no winnable games for them. Like, they play Rutgers this year and they play Purdue, but other than that, there's no very winnable games in the Big Ten schedule, just because these other teams are so much more. Um, developed and farther along than Illinois is right now. Yeah, Illinois also plays Western Kentucky and at USF, who may be the two best non-Power 5 teams in the country, too. Yeah, no, that's like, and that was a t- that's, you can't really blame that scheduling, because when that game against South Florida was scheduled like three, four years ago, South Florida was a two-win team. Like No one expected like Quinn Flowers to become a Heisman candidate, and Charlie Strong to be coaching that team four years later. So, um, and that's bad luck that it's at, actually, Raymond James Stadi- Stadium in uh, Tampa. And then Western Kentucky, they they had the most explosive offense in uh, football last year. Uh, so it's very tough um, that they get Ball State, which is a winnable game, obviously. But after that, uh, it's kind of tough just because there might not be a winnable game in the schedule. What do you think a fair expectation for Illinois is this year? I think three wins, but staying like three a three nine record beat Ball State, beat Rutgers, beat Purdue. Um, especially since Rutgers is at home in Champaign, but but better win that game. 
and uh, Purdue, the road team, that series has won five straight. So I'm not saying that streak's going to continue, but just um, going by logic in that case. So three wins, but then in those other nine games, you got to stay competitive in at least most of them, if not all the home games. Uh, there's only two games that I feel like are absolutely unwinnable for the Illini, um, where they should not have a single chance, and that's against South Florida and Ohio State. Um, every other game, got to stay close, at least within two touchdowns. Uh, make it something in the fourth quarter where you're in striking distance. Just because if you're losing every game by 30, the fan base is going to stop believing in Lovey Smith after two years. And at that point, um, you're basically at ground zero again, where what do you do? You keep Lovey Smith, uh, do you listen to the fan base? The team's not any farther along than it was. Uh, so that kind of thing. How big of a win would it be to take down Northwestern at the end of the season and build towards 2018? Yeah, that's probably – um. well, I uh, they've been playing – the game that's supposed to be in Champaign at Soldier Field. Uh, this was supposed to actually be at Soldier Field again. Um, and the new athletic director, Josh Woodman, um, decided over the last offseason that they're going to buy out that agreement. So it's actually a home game now. So it's an opportunity for the first time in like five, six years for Illinois to play Northwestern at home Memorial Stadium. And it's a chance to beat a rival. Like Northwestern has become the team in the state of Illinois, which is a really weird feeling because Northwestern is like 7,000 students. Illinois has got 44,000. Um, so it's just weird to see Northwestern have so much success. A guy like Justin Jackson be maybe the Big Ten's top running back, one of the top running backs of all time in the Big Ten. And Illinois just hasn't had any success over the past four or five years. So it'll be huge, I think, especially building towards what I see is an easier 2018 schedule uh, to finish off 2017 with a win against the Wildcats. Well, if you want to keep up with anything going on in 2017 Illinois football, make sure to head on over to the champagneroom.com and give them a follow on Twitter at Champagne Room. And Stephen, where can people find your work on the internet? Oh, uh, they can find me on Twitter at StephenCone14. That's uh, with a PH and Cone, C-O-H-N. Also, I have one question for you. What do you think of Illinois this year? Like, you go to you're an Ohio State guy. What what do you see uh, from a three win team like the Illini against the team that's got national championship aspirations? Man, when I look at this team, and I haven't spent a ton of time, you know, I, I did the prep for this, and I've read a little bit about them, and I was never big on Lovey Smith in the NFL anyway, so I, I thought it was curious. And to your point earlier, you know, I, I think that no matter what happened last season, any coach that would have been a horrible spot to be put in. And, you know, for, for the spot that he was in, I think he did a pretty admirable job, especially for a guy who I think has no college experience at any sort of level. Yeah, this was a guy you never coached in basically just NFL's entire career. Like that was, that was it for him. Yeah. So I think he was really working behind the eight ball in pretty much every single facet. And I, I think that, you know, people who follow college football, but don't really dive into recruiting or all the other things that a head coach has to do I don't think that they realize how tough of a job that is anyway but then when you're put in a position like that especially for a program that has been behind the eight ball like that you know I think that things could have gone worse for them and and all things considered he did a good job you know I think that recruiting for them from the outside looking in doesn't look spectacular right now but at the same time you know, who else is there in the Big Ten West right now that's really going to run away like there are in the big teams are in the Big Ten East? You know, Wisconsin's always going to be Wisconsin. They're going to be a top team. Nebraska, you would figure, can be that team, but they haven't proved it. Iowa, you know, they, they're they Iowa. 
they're, they're a team that maybe they're going to go 12-0 and like they did in 2015, but maybe this year they're going to lose six or seven games. So I think that, you know, I, I'm not bullish on Lovey Smith in the short term, but I, I still think, and, and we've seen this from Illinois before, where they can have these seasons where they pop up. And I don't know who that coach is to, to get them to that, but I think that at the very least, if Lovey Smith can leave that program in better shape than he found it, and they can hire, you know, a young guy. Maybe that's a Jason Candle from Toledo or, or some, some other Mac school or a small school that can build them up. Then, you know, maybe I, I think that they have a chance to, to really have some forward mobility there. I have two final thoughts also, just to make a pitch for Illinois football, basically. One is that Lovey Smith, like, of the past four Illinois coaches um, of the first year, in their first year, I don't have the stat completely right but i believe they won a total of three games and the levy won three games in his first season so that is saying something that he has um like i don't think this team was any further along than any of those other teams and one of those was back in 99 they won like one game and then two years later they were in the sugar bowl winning the as big 10 champions so it's been done before they only could turn around a program fast the one guy uh that all the big 10 should be watching out for um, in recruiting, especially this upcoming year, is Luke Ford, uh, tight end, top player in the state of Illinois. He's a um, he's a huge target for Alabama right now. Nick Saban's looking at him hard, and right now it seems like between Illinois and Alabama and his final two schools, if Illinois gets him, he's like a five-star tight end, and this guy's a game-changer for opening up the floodgates, I think, uh, for Illinois being able to do some massive recruiting, especially in Illinois. Yeah, and those are the type of players that you, know, you need, especially for a new coach or a coach in his second cycle that's you know one guy you need to where you can point at other you know high level three star or four star recruits and say look this is this is the guy you know he's going to be the leader of the class you need to follow him and I think too and so, something that you mentioned you know Levy Smith didn't create this schedule and so you know I think it's it's pretty likely that they'll lose both of those games to Western Kentucky and USF in at least one of them probably the USF game maybe a little ugly and get ugly quick but, you know, those, those are two teams. Western Kentucky was a team that played Alabama tough in Alabama last year. And, and USF played Florida State tough for three quarters. So, you know, I think that people will probably overreact and say, ha ha, Illinois, they're terrible. Levy Smith doesn't know what to do. But this schedule's really rough. And for the situation that he took over, I think if, if they can just get things, you know, just going up, then I think that even if they're not able to land – that tight end, then you can at least show recruits and you can show the fan base that, hey, we've got forward momentum here. Next year's schedule is easier. Let's build towards 2018 and beyond. Yep, correct. Boom. Well, we got real existential talk in Illinois football here <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah, no, it's depressing sometimes. It gets tough to talk about them so much. No one ever wants to talk about the Illini just because uh, they're the little sisters of the poor in the Big Ten West right now. And, um, Game better though, I'm telling you. And on these podcasts, like I, I never want to, you know, when we do these, to just have everything be like completely somber and be like, "Hey, we're gonna preview this team. Uh, they're gonna suck." Like that, that's the last thing I want to do. And like I'm, uh, so it's it's good to you can always come up with positives for them. And I, I don't think that it's completely far fetched to say that Illinois can move forward. No, absolutely, they can take steps forward this year, and they they likely will. And if they don't, um, then there will be a different path for the future in Champaign if it has Lovey Smith or doesn't, but it'll it'll be different than um it is right now. Well my my last thought here is you brought up Tim Beckman earlier on and the disaster that was 
Illinois fans might not remember and Ohio State fans might not remember, but when Jim Tressel resigned, got fired, you know, that whole situation, that whole year, Tim Beckman was a strong candidate. And I know that formerly the uh, editor-in-chief here at Land Grant, Luke Zimmerman, was very bullish on Ohio State hiring Tim Beckman. So, like, that could have been a scenario for Ohio State, and, like, we'd be dealing in a whole alternate timeline right now. Whatever universe that's happening in, like, I don't want any part of that. Oh, that would have been <laughs> oh, I don't even, I'm not thinking about that. No, that every all those days are past Illinois fans. Everything's gone. Well, if you if you want to follow this era of Illinois football, like I said, make sure to go to thechampagneroom.com. Follow them on Twitter at Champagne Room and follow Stephen on Twitter at Stephen Cohen14. We'll have links to all of that in the blog post, so you guys can check out their work and you can follow Stephen on Twitter. Stephen, thanks for joining the show, man. Thank you. Like I said, we try to keep it positive here on the show and. Illinois has a long way to go, but also has a coach with NFL experience and looks to have an uptick in recruiting, and they should, on paper, be better than they were last season, even if it doesn't reflect much, if at all, in the win total. That schedule, man, that's tough, and I think that they're going to have a really hard time with that, and those Western Kentucky and USF games are probably going to get ugly. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of nice things said about Illinois, especially early in the season. But there are things to look at for them, especially the running back play, and feel like they can at least build towards next year and beyond. So we'll see what they're able to do in Lovey Smith's second year. Shout out to Steven once again for joining the show. Be sure to go to ChampagneRoom.com. Follow them on Twitter, follow Steven on Twitter, and keep up with everything Illinois through Champagne Room right up to when they play Ohio State that second to last week of the season. That almost wraps up our 2017 preview series podcast for Ohio State's opponents this year. We only have one more episode to go, and if you've been keeping up, or even if you haven't been keeping up, you probably know who that is. We're saving the best, or at least the most hated, for last, and on Monday, we will talk about the Michigan Wolverines with Anthony Broom of mazeandbrew.com. That should be a lot of fun. Get some insight on Michigan and the host of new faces they have on that team, both offensively and defensively, and what expectations for Michigan are this year. So be on the lookout for that. Make sure to go to soundcloud.com slash Land. You can find that episode, this episode, and all the past episodes we've done. You can also find our Indiana preview, which will come out on Tuesday or Wednesday to get you guys ready for the season opener. Also, subscribe to the show. Go to Apple Podcasts, search The Hangout in the Holy Land. You can find all of the episodes there. If you like it, be sure to leave a review. Please, it helps a lot. It helps other people find the show. And then be sure to tell a friend about the show. If you enjoy it, please help us spread the word about the show. Like I said on the previous podcast, we're going to try to make this thing the best Ohio State podcast on the internet. And any feedback that you guys can give us and spreading the word obviously helps. And be sure to send me a tweet at DubsCo on Twitter and let me know what you guys want to hear from these podcast episodes as we get into the season. That'll wrap up this episode, though. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Want to thank you for listening one more time. My name is Colton Denning. And this is the Hangout in the Holy Land.